Welcome everyone to the Flow Show. We got episode 196 here. First, a quick message from Club GG where you can create poker clubs for free, play with your friends, and win hundreds of thousands of dollars in prizes monthly. And with that being said, one of my favorite hobbies, this is the king of the hobby. He does have the hit show on Netflix, which is something I'm going to let him tell us about. We're going to go into that, but that is the king of collectibles, the golden touch. We have Ken Golden here. Ken, how are you? I'm doing great. Glad to be with you, Jeff. You as well. I know actually we were scheduling last year at some point and then you kind of just got, you know, all the show going and it was just yep. crazy schedule and a lot going on. So, you know, first of all, again, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. And if you could maybe just give a, uh, I mean, I, I don't know, you, you, you got a lot to talk about. We could maybe give like a, a, a deep history of your background in, in TV and, and shows and kind of just where you, you know, all got sure. started. I'll give, I'll give a very, very brief. I'll give a brief history. Yeah. So I am the founder and CEO of uh, Golden, which was previously known as Golden Auctions, which I started in 2012. I am the subject of the Netflix show, King of Collectibles, The Golden Touch, which we just, season one launched on April 28th of last year, and season two has now been filmed and is now in Netflix's hands, so they can dub it into 42 languages and subtitle it. Um, Peyton Manning is one of my executive producers, as is Connor Shell, who created uh, all of ESPN's 30 for 30 and, of course, The Last Dance. And, of course, I cannot leave out Brett Montgomery of Wheelhouse, who is the creator of Pawn Stars. So those are my three uh, EPs. And really, it was Connor Shell who came to me with the idea for the show. <clears throat> Prior to that, honestly, I've been in the business since I was 12 years old. Uh, started buying and selling at the age of 12. Uh, my first transaction, probably at 13 for $500 cash transaction traded before that. Um, I founded Scoreboard when I was 20. I created the uh, Classic Cards trading brand. So for those of you who ever used to collect uh, trading cards, you know, the 92 Shaq, all those different Shaq cards and 96 autograph Kobe's and, you know, finish line racing and pro line brand with the players, wives, signatures, and then like Ali's signature, you know, all that stuff was, uh, was me. And, Very cool. And then golden has been the biggest thing I've done. And it's, you know, what I'll do for the rest of my life. I, I love it. I mean, it's gotta be so fun. Something you love and you're passionate about to, to see it kind of morph and come into this. And then, yeah, of course the show, which is, which is awesome. Seem, you know, really well done. What is, uh, in, you know, when you, you talk about movie stars or TV stars and there's a lot of like cuts and filming, I, I was curious about this because, you know, it's something you love and, and honestly, even between takes, I would imagine it's like, it's gotta be still fun because you're talking, it's stuff you like, it's things going on, but is it, is it like a little bit tedious to sometimes have to like do takes or is it just like or do you just love the whole process of the show of filming it so i tell people that my job at golden is fun and that when i'm filming for netflix it's um it's a real job and it's work um you know i have to you know you got call you have to be on the set a certain time you have to show up at a certain time you know even if i got 20 phone calls even if you know, um, my, my kids are getting ready for school or something else is going on you have to show up at a certain time because you've got 25 people that are getting paid by by the company waiting yep. for you right um the good news is that we really are a reality show and let me put that in perspective every single thing you see in the show in terms of a, a transaction is a transaction that was that actually happened at golden um every sale is a sale that we sold every auction is an auction that took place um, every consigner is a consigner, um, so on and so forth. Um, so that, you know, with that, 
they let us free flow a lot. For example, in that Puerto Rican scene, um, Puerto Rico scene with Jim Taubenfeld, which is over two episodes, Jim and I went at it for like an hour and a half without stop. Um, and that was, it was crazy because we had like a prearranged deal. And if you haven't seen the show, it's a very, very humongous, it's, it's, it's a humongous collection. I think it's like episode four and five. It's like a yeah. carryover. Um, and he's got like the, the craziest stuff you've ever going to see. You know, like, like Jordan's first jersey and Kobe's debut jersey and Will Chamberlain's Harlan Globetrotter's jersey and all this crazy stuff. Yeah. So we're negotiating back and forth. And, you know, I threw out a very, very large number as a cash advance. And, you know, he said no, but I knew he was going to say no. And then I threw out even a larger number. And I knew the deal was done. But he took it upon himself. He said, you know something? Ken's down here with the with the film crew, and I know he took a private plane down here. He's got a lot of expenses in this, and everybody's filming this. Yeah, I'm not going to accept what I agreed to accept before. And he threw out a higher number live where we're being filmed, and you see wow. like a looker shot, and that's a real looker shot. Like I cannot believe you just did this. Wow. So we ended up compromising on air at a higher number than I expected to go. So, um, but the they bottom line with me is they typically let me go. Um, you know, they let me, you know, they, they never tell you, okay, this is what you do because the show is about me. It's about my business, it's about my company. It's about the people who work for me. So yep. when people who have done a negotiation with me, people who've cut deals can watch the show and say, yeah, that's, that, that's like Ken, like all the stuff I would say and, and the way I would act, my mannerisms, you know, all, 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 all the creativity that that's like, what I would do in 99% of my deals that are not filmed. Yeah. Um, the only thing they do is they say, okay, um, this sentence didn't come out. You got to redo that because we didn't hear it. Or the camera is muffled or, oh, that's great. Now we've got to get another angle. Okay, great. Now we got to do the walk-in scene again because they got this guy from the front. They didn't get the guy from the back. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes, obviously the difficult part is working with, you know, the different consigners. So, some of the guys that are just hobby guys or, you know, like grandkids that found something, um, they've never been on TV. This is, you know, crazy to them, right? So <clears throat> there may be multiple things where, okay, fine. Can you speak a little louder? Can you, you know, mention this, you know, things like that, because they, yeah. you know, they may be a little camera struck. Um, Makes perfect sense. And, and, and this show, it seems so pure, right? It just seems like because the, the big time names in the in the hobby and, and you, know, you see Peyton Manning on here and Mike Tyson, all these, you know, the, 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 you know, Logan Paul or Jake Paul, these guys, like you're doing big, big things and it's all stuff so unique, so interesting in different places. It feels like the show has, could go forever, right? It just seems like it's an unlimited thing. It's a hobby. It connects to so many people. Do you, did you, when you first did the show to now, does it feel that way? Do you feel like, wow, this is like going to be a long-term thing, like 20, 30 years? Well, this is what they pitched me originally. Netflix was looking, you know, because Brett obviously did Pawn Stars. What's, what have they run? 27 years. Yeah. So, and what Brent, when we, so we did sales calls. We did sales calls. It was me. Brent Montgomery, Connor Shell, um, Peyton was not on the Zooms, but he did like he did the introduction to the teaser. So he did like a five minute video that we played it. Um, so it was with Disney, which was going to be ABC, ESPN, and Hulu. It was with Discovery. It was with um, 
Disney, Hulu, Discovery, um, and it was Netflix, and it was one other one other group that escaped me, but they weren't as high level. So I kind of said like that's like you know like like your your, your fallback. You know, you pick yep. pick colleges and you one school you know you're going to get into. It was yeah. like that. So right. I always said Netflix has the biggest audience, but um, so we pitched it to them, and with Netflix, what they really wanted is they wanted their version of an upscale more drama longer higher <clears throat> higher stakes pawn stars that they can run as an unscripted show for the next 10 15 years so that was their idea so they they signed me and they signed everybody that's in the show i i have said the number of years on but then i'm told you're not allowed to divulge secrets of your contract so i will tell you they signed for multiple years many yep. more than season two season one two three four and so on that's uh, exciting. so cool. their intent but if you look at it, this is this is what's really amazing about our business. We sell, we have about 5,000 items a week that go through our building in Golden. 5,000 items. You know, Pawn Stars, they told me that they had to go out and search for items that fit the show. We've got a quarter of a million items a year. So how difficult is it to find 50 items, 60 items, 75 items that we think will make cool TV stories? So- for us, I think it's unlimited, and the guys love it. That's, I mean, like that's right. It's, it feels that way. It does. It just seems like because, and then, and and as I would imagine, people are reaching out too, right? It's like one thing where at, at some point it's like you know thinking, oh, I'll get Peyton or do this or friends with these guys, but yeah. the, people that have cool stuff that love the show are like, then you you know you just you get sort of like a, a list of things of like you can't even do it all the stuff you want to do, which I, I would imagine it's sort of like that where you just have like yeah, unlimited it, opportunity. It, it is, and so I'll tell hit hit two celebrities because. No offense to Peyton and anybody else. I was there was on season one. My the two funnest times I personally had were because they were just oh my god I can't believe this is happening type of stuff. And that was Mike Tyson yep. and Logan Paul. Okay, so Mike Tyson came in and he wanted to consign um, a few things that he kept from his career, and then he basically we had an agreement to consign and he saw so i'm not going to say what but he saw something just like i've got a display here with, with like this we'll get into that a whole bunch of stuff yeah. he saw something in my office and he said i want to get that and i'm like no i was given that personally by the guy who was in my in my office and he had you want this i gotta get it. he goes how about we fight for it and then we decide something else and that was like he was just so funny and the second one was Logan Paul. So for, I brought my son down named Paul. There are so many hysterical outtakes of Logan Paul scene. Like um, he goes, Paul, 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 Paul. Like, like pointing to himself, pointing to my son back and forth. And you got, got a kick out of my name. My name's Logan Paul. I can name my son Paul. Yeah. And then the big hook about that scene, and that's episode six. And I, episode six is my, my favorite episode in, in the series because not only that scene, but of course the Dream Team collection. Um, is we open up this box on live stream. It was a live stream. This was all planned. I sold the packs on Golden. We're going to go down. That was it. We hit. What's is 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 this G rated? Is this PG rated? What is? What you can is fire. Go go for okay. it. So, so we hit shit. Okay, we hit absolutely donuts. Zero. Okay. Right. So I mean, he's like really, really, really bummed out because and and I say you know, I again this is. 
This is literally, I say it's live TV because it, it's live the way we're filming. It's not, it's recorded. Um, and obviously if he didn't say yes, we never would have shown this. But I just said, you know something? You've got three boxes at home. Why don't you go grab one of those boxes? And he looked at me because this was like not in his outline. And I said, well, he goes, what do you mean? I said, I'll split it with you. It's like a hundred and... It was 165,000, 337,000. I said, it's like 167,500. This is on a Sunday. And I said, I will be back. I will wire you $167,000 tomorrow. You and I split the box. Just you and I, no cameras. We don't do it on Instagram Live. We don't do it on YouTube, blah, 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 blah. And he said, screw it, which is not exactly what he said. Let's go do it. And he ran back to his house and he got this box. And we opened up another box with no social media, no nothing. And nobody knew we did it until the episode came out. And then they'll see what we got. So yeah, that, that's, that, that's great. But that was like, it was like, basically it took like an eight minute segment into like a 16 minute segment because he's, he's a gambler and I'm, 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 I can gamble. I got, I can speak. I, that's a good segue for gambling. I know. So poker, right? This yeah. is, you know, not, not a poker podcast. But we have a lot of poker ties with people that play a bit. And I know that you did play uh, Jason Kuntz, very good friend of mine, mutual friend. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. you know, he, he just had, he had a big score as well. And he had mentioned <laughs> you played and I knew a little bit you did, but you used to play back in the day, actually mm -hmm. a lot. Can you tell me yeah. about your poker experience? And sure. So I, I was a very well-known, played a lot online player back probably from 2003. You know, my biggest online playing was like 2003 to 2007, I'm going to guess. I slowed down in 2006. Um, I played under Poker Stars under the moniker, I suck one, two, three. And I played on other sites under I bite one two three. Um, had I played uh, on Poker Stars, Party Poker, Paradise Poker, Full Tilt. Um, interesting. My biggest online win was I think about a hundred grand at a. I can't remember the name. It was it was a it was like a sister site to Party Poker. It was a five hundred dollar rebuy. So Empire. Uh, Maybe. Empire, Empire, yes, Maybe Empire, that. yes, yep. Empire. So I won one of the five hundred dollar rebuys there. Um, but I used to play with all the guys that went on to be mainline, you know, poker players. Yeah, obviously, you know, Cliff Josephy, Johnny Bax, Cheats, yep. Eric Haber, Guy Burrow, um, Ape Styles. Um, oh yeah, Ruthless, all the, yeah, they, Ruthless, yeah, Ruthless. I mean, yeah. all all who who later later in my older days, Houdini, and I used to win. You know. I used to play a lot of qualifiers, so I would get like, um, you know, all I go go to Aruba every year, Bahamas every year, multiple entries to the World Series of Poker, which they just if you won more than one. So yep. I played, I I was in the main event of the World Series every year from 2004 to 2011, and then in 2012 I couldn't go because I launched Golden and we had our national convention in 2013. Um, my wife gave birth to Paul um, right around that time. And that was, that was the end of my poker playing. And, you know, but I did, you know, I, I played live. I played live at only, you know, because I had money from, from prior ventures, you know, I, you know, I wasn't a, wasn't, wasn't a small player. I played the main events, like $5,000 buy-ins and up um, 
coolest time was when I won an entry into Monte Carlo, the $25,000 one back in the day. That was the nicest place I ever played poker. Very um, cool spot. And and you and you play is that is that something? I mean, now you're so like the national actually something you mentioned want to talk about. Yeah. I know that's in the summertime yeah. and and yeah. something amazing I've gone to. Uh, do do you is that something? Is it possible or just because the main event it takes so many days and your kind of schedule so crazy? Could we? Because I'm with GG. I'm an ambassador yeah. for GG. There's mm-hmm. they're partnering with WSOP. They move venues actually from the Rio now. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's really nice and is it possible? Could you could you come and play the main or a side event? Would you come out? Could we do something with you there for poker? Maybe set up some, do you know have a we could figure something out where you could maybe like market a bit and have some fun where it's not just to play. Do you think we could do something? Yeah, the the last time I um so I had I think I think the last time I played a live event was probably Borgata in 2019. So I do try and play, but it seems every time I go somewhere to play poker my wife has an emergency. I can be at the table at like one in the morning and I'm getting texts. Carly's throwing up, uh, right. blah, blah, blah. The dog is sick or, or, or Paul's this, or I hear noises in the house or like, like every friggin'. That's a good okay. sign. That just means your wife really loves you and misses you. Yeah. yeah. She, she doesn't and, want and, you gone. Yeah. And with the, some of the other events, it's like, Oh my God. Um, I, I look at it too financially. Like, you know, unless I actually finish, first or second this tournament i lost money no matter what i yes. do there's not being away from us. but that's what i'm saying like yeah. to make it where you know who you, there's there's probably some ways in some of these bigger events too where you could you know it, it could be it could be interestingly set up where you could so, go so, or make sort of a you know even bring some cards or memorabilia or set up a stand even at the world series like they have these mm-hmm. you know i actually blesnick who jared mm-hmm. blesnick we, we you know as well in poker and has done yep. a very good job with cards and he yeah. does incorporate that with poker and he has a stand you know at the world series and oh i didn't got, know that you know, i didn't know he just stands world series okay yeah, yeah just saying like it's you know there's something that i think it could be if you look at it from a perspective of marketing and uh-huh. again the, it's such a the poker and cards are so much of the same po- poker with the, the gambling and the, the I mean, breaking look, of packs John, and it's John just you know it's, it's golden is an example i mean this just to give you an example yeah. i mean so um you know, so Sean's a consigner, Blair and Blair and I know I, I I don't know exactly how old he is, but I really think I must have been playing online against Jared when he was like 15 years old. Yeah. Um Yeah, so I started no, right I, then too. Like I'm 30, I'm 37 right now. I was playing yeah. like 2003, four. That's when it all kind of got going. That's exactly. so, yeah, for the same time. Yep. So I um I would first of all, I would I definitely plan on playing again. So that's that's number one. Um there was another there was actually another, I won't mention the name, another company that wanted to put me into a $25,000 buy-in event, have me do some 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 um, PR and social media for them and do like a live break as a sidely event. And then nothing ever, I told them I need like three months advance notice to get this arranged for my schedule and nothing happened. But no, look, I would I would love to at this point in my life um, as long as something does not, the one thing I do not miss is, um, my son, Paul, he's 10. He is, I'm sure everybody says this about their kids, but he is like a top one percenter in terms of baseball, um, you know, measured by, you know, like hit tracks and pitch speed and all that. So he's like really, really, really good. So I just will not let myself miss one of his tournaments. Yeah. Um, as long as that's not the case, um, as long as that's not the case, I will, um, you know, would definitely 
talk to you after after this. You can yeah. come up with Listen, ideas it's six weeks. The main event out. is a grind, right? That's like a week long, around 4th of July. It's like a seven, yeah. eight day thing, but but yeah. there's a lot of one, two day events. Like you mentioned, yeah. some sort of like 25Ks or 10Ks that are yeah. a little faster, a couple day tournaments that, you know, it's fun and Vegas is great. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. But that it's awesome that you actually have such a background in poker and yeah. understand it. I think there are a lot of similarities. Again, you can, you, poker is sort of a metaphor in life. I feel like you can really yeah. apply a lot of skills to that. And especially with this, I do see so many similarities in the industry uh to to uh to poker but um you know jason Kuntz, i want to mention him you know, mm-hmm. when i go to his office when I, I i actually he has his he has his one spot but then his actual new building he's got this you know they do the 24 7 streaming now right they do mm-hmm. all this uh you know live breaks i forget it's called whatnot maybe or one of these apps yeah well, probably he probably, he's probably on whatnot that one yeah and so but like it's it's whenever i go there i have a problem because it is like a, it's like a it's like heaven like a candy store i go there yep. and it's like see this card he's got all this stuff and it's like oh what's this how much is that and and i and i, and I see it's like do you do you have a how do you decide what to get because it's like i i, I know you're that you have an eye for value but when you go to the national and whatnot and there's just all these things and you could buy whatever right it's like how do you actually like focus in on items that you want to and 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 where where do you separate between trying to make money or just are you pure collection at this point? Do you just buy for love or do you flip? Sure. So, you know, with golden, you know, obviously I'm trying, you know, if something is a purchase for profit opportunity, I'll try and get the person that can sign it for golden. Um, you know, because that, you know, that, that's, that's my job. It's my company. Um, on a personal level, you know, my issue is I've, as you get more money, you, you like more things and my horizons have expanded. It used to be, you know, like literally just like vintage cards or, um, you know, then, then it was game use. So right now the things I'm collecting probably in order are, uh, key vintage cards and sets, uh, key game use memorabilia from athletes that I want to collect, uh, mostly players I consider goats of their sports as well as 500 run club, um, high grade, uh, grail comic books. Um, okay. I, and I would say modern cards of certain players that I think there's spots for, or my son really likes, like we probably have the largest Alec Bohm collection in the world. That's his favorite player on the Phillies. Um, and a lot of Bryce Harper too. I would say, um, cool stuff that I just wanted to display. And, um, you know, like wax box, especially wax boxes that were produced, when I was growing up, um, they're a bit different. Like if I want to open up a 1980 um, basketball, I've got like, here I got, so I got three of these sitting on the shelf. This is the bird magic, um, you know, the, the bird magic rookie card. Yeah. Yep. So, but the great thing about boxes like that is there's no short prints. You know, you know, you open 86 Fleer box, you, you're going to get, unless your box really, you're going to get worst case two Jordan rookies and two Jordan stickers. You should get three of each. You might get four of one and three of the other. So it's not like where you're going to open up a $20,000 box and might get $300 worth of cards. Yeah. So, you know, I'm actually trying to compile one day. I will every, every unopened box when I was a kid until Really, I started um, scoreboard in 86 of anything I might have ever opened. And even the stuff I didn't open that w- was issued during that time. Yeah. 
And and how do you decide about a box? It feels just so much like a, a bottle of nice wine, right? If you have some old stuff, it's fun. Like I yeah. even found myself during COVID, I was collecting some mm-hmm. boxes, and you know, you kind of feel like okay, it's cool, and the price goes down when you open it up. But it, it like, what, do you do you have like a special time or or birthdays, or if you're with certain people and you guys you crack boxes? How do you decide to like crack an old box? Um, I do most of my most of my box breaks will do one of two ways, one of three ways. Either one is like a planned break, like maybe a planned break with a celebrity or a planned break at the office for social media. That really, I, I'll say that doesn't count. Okay, um, most of my box breaks are you know with uh, with Paul, my son, and we'll let him pick. You know, provided it's a price range. I mean, yes, we have opened up a uh, a '96 Topps Chrome uh, basketball box together. Uh, that was probably like the most valuable box we opened up together. But, you know, you know, really when he's got time, sometimes when he's got friends over, when his baseball team was in the state championship, I had, you know, and I, I, and all this stuff was like stored on my Instagram. Like you, people like started following me in COVID. I created my account, I think during COVID. And then we went live for our, for like 80 days in a row because he was going crazy when, when there was no school or whatever. So like I said, listen, you do schoolwork at the end of your schoolwork, schoolwork, we will open up a box. So we opened up a box every single day. And you see my son three and a half years ago, and he is like whipping off these players and he's talking these names and, and just, just going, going crazy on the stuff. Um, you know, it's just pure joy in a kid hitting the good card, not caring, you know, what the condition is, not caring, unfortunately, if you're seven, if he dings the corner, uh, you know, like like the like the autographs, right? So he so he just like like getting big hits, like getting player he knows. But the other time is like honestly, sometimes my wife is asleep upstairs. It's a Friday night, and then these are these are the breaks that people love because these are when I get crazy, and these are when I just like literally say, okay, if I would open this, and I do trivia questions, so I'll tell people like I'll open up a box of let's say two thousand three tops Chrome, which was better two years ago than it is now, but still a great box with LeBron yeah. rookies. And I'll say, okay, the person who can tell me the starting lineup of you know my team, which was the 82-83 Philadelphia 76ers, the first person who gives me the five-player starting lineup, this next pack is for them. And you'll see all these things streaming. I'll say, okay, if I, who was my favorite player growing up? Which people who follow me would know. And the first person who guesses that, and I just like write it down, and whatever's yeah. in that pack, I, I, I ship to them. Um, Oftentimes, I'll have a red cup with some drink in it, and we'll just like, do it for two hours. <laughs> That's yeah, that no, it, it's awesome. And, and tell me about the national. How special is that, and how has that grown over the years? Oh my God, it's crazy. The national, God, the first national I went to, I am going to think was um, whenever it was in the East Coast between seventy nine and uh, eighty one. I don't remember exactly which one it was. If you had somebody a list, I'd be able to figure it out. But, you know, it was for, for 10 years, like literally until 1989, it was the same dealers with the same inventory, aging and aging and aging. And then finally, um, Mike Burkus and, you know, convinced these companies to do, when it was at Anaheim, these promos. And that's what really set the national up is like, Oh my God, these upper deck promos are selling on eBay for $500 and people were going crazy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that made it real exciting. And then for me, my favorite personal national was probably 1992 because I signed Shaquille O'Neal to exclusive. And 
they did not have the rules back then where somebody can't sign in the booth and the only people who can do autographs have to be at the autograph pavilion. So I just decided I'm just going to literally fuck up the entire show and put Shaq O'Neal in my booth, in the classic booth at the National. Nobody knew. So I brought all of a sudden, I'm walking in with two security guards and, you know, Shaquille O'Neal. And he's just sitting there signing autograph cards and basketballs at the Golden Booth. And like, there is on that quarter of the show, there was just no business being done because it was this, it was, <laughs> if you think you've seen lines at like tops for like their redemptions, the Panini for the redemptions, imagine 1992, yep. Shaquille O'Neal is in a card manufacturer's booth signing his rookie card and signing other things for free, not part of a contest, not part of a redemption, no deli line, just man, the booth. It was just, just it was absolute pandemonium. Pandemonium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's amazing how it's come. It's it really, and it's come a long way, and people people look forward to it. It's a, it's a special time. Have you got any standout finds there? Is there stuff that you just like? Uh, have you wh- give me like a whether it's at the national or somewhere else? What's like your big hit? Like in poker, you know, you have a you have a massive score in a tournament. You never know what's going to come. Could be at like a, a small event or a big event. Have you hit mm-hmm. one thing or some garage sale or some place you've been where you just got like a lottery spot? Well, I mean, I can tell you crazy stories when I was a, when I was a younger kid. I used to go out and uh, I would put in the Courier Post and the Philadelphia Inquirer. And this is the way it was safer when somebody wouldn't come in with a gun. Um, so yeah. I'd rent a room at the old Holiday Inn next to the Philadelphia Airport and say, you know, Saturday only, bring your cards for cash at the Philadelphia Holiday Inn. And people would this is before the internet, this is before cell phones, this is before online price guides. You know, I don't even think the Beckett. You know, there was there may have been like the Sport Americana price guide in 1979, but nothing else. So I had this one, I, I, I a crazy, crazy stuff. But I had this one guy come in, and either his dad or his granddad must have been the biggest user of um, polar bear tobacco in the history of mankind. Okay. So he came in with about 1,300 Tito Six cards, all polar bear. Okay. So, um, that's not the Hornets with Wagner, the black back, is it? Huh? Hornets Wagner? Is this, this no, no, talking it's not about? Wagner? It's not okay. Wagner, but Paul, let me, let me just see if I have any, uh, um, a polar bear max here. No, there's a lot of Piedmonts. Let me just see if I got any polar bears here just so I can show you it. it it's not a rare back, but it's called an uncommon back. Um, and it was like, okay, so no, it, it, it was like pull, pure, pure black. So, he had like 17 Thai cobs with a polar bear back. And there are these rare cards, these two particular rarities. They're probably they're right under, you've got the Wagner, you've got the Plank, you've got the Maggie Error, and then you've got Demet and O'Hare with the, with the, with the traded team. And they, they, those cards can only be found in polar bear. Okay. So he had multiples of each of those. I gave him a dollar a card. A dollar a card. I just said... He had like twelve hundred cards. How about twelve hundred bucks? Okay, and he probably walked away, thought he was ripping off this uh, this little kid. I was probably fourteen. Okay, right. I was probably fourteen years old. There were no price guys. I just threw it up at that. The the other thing that was crazy. Well, and so what? Give me an idea what that was. Kind of. I mean, you just said. Oh, like to, a, today that might be worth um, five million plus today. Wow. Holy. Um, another crazy one is this is when I was sixteen. I got a phone call 
from, and I remember remember exactly who it is. The guy's name was Herb Passman from Philly Coin and Silver. He said, I got a call from somebody who bought an apartment in Philadelphia and they went in the attic and there's a bunch of baseball cards in the attic. It looked like the guy must've been a distributor for tops or something like that or top storage shit there. Yep. So we went up to the attic. I'm excuse me, he went up to the attic. Um, and what it was is cases upon cases upon cases of unopened 1951 tops, red back and blue backs. So like every single sealed box that you've ever seen all originated from that fine. So that was wow. like, that, that was the crate. But yeah, no, there's, there's that's a- like a shipwreck, right? I mean, that's like finding this stuff, some of the stuff that gets, because t- there's stuff everywhere, right? In the yep. US, and there's got to be just so many buried, like grandparents or great grandparents yep. or people that have cards that, that are, yep. you know, that, what percent of stuff do you think of valuable cards, like real stuff that's like untapped or untouched or tapped at this point? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like look at Bitcoin, they say 15, 20% is lost. Like what do you think in, in, uh, in, in well, sports cards? I, I think a lot, first differences is that there is a lot lost. There is a lot that are gone forever from the moms throwing it out, from the kids who put the bicycle cards and you know, put the baseball cards in the spokes of the bicycle and make motorcycle noises to all, all that type of stuff. So there is a lot, a lot that is lost. There's also been so much publicity. Um, I personally think that less than true finds that nobody knows about, less than 5%. However, if you look at the market cap of the business today of every trading card created, and then you figure, what is 5% of that? that that's a big number, right? It's a potential yeah. big number. So I think as the baby boomers age, you're going to continue to find a lot of people with, you know, we had one recently at Golden. Um, the, uh, somebody passed and the family contacted us. They knew one of our consignment directors. And I had a video I did at the National and I said, Cy Young, Cy Young. Cy Young, Cy Young, Cy Young, Cy Young, Cy Young. It was like 16 T206 Cy Youngs in a row. Um, so these fines are out there right now. I think they're more in the hands of collectors who never got anything graded, kept the collection to themselves, locked them away, and their kids or grandkids will find them or know about it one day. And it'll be all these raw cards yeah. that, that we did not know exist before. I, I do not think... I do not personally think that there is an uncovered Wagner. That I don't believe. I think there are Wagners that exist that are in private collections, but I don't want to say anybody. They're unknown because I know of several raw ones that are in private collections, but you can't call them unknown because I know who has them. Right. I don't think somebody's going to find a new one that's undocumented. And 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 what is the state of the market right now? Because I, I got, you know, I was, I, I I had some stuff, not mm-hmm. the right year, right? And like mm-hmm. I was collecting the early nineties and I remember that's mm-hmm. why I got connected with Coons through mutual friend and I'm from Michigan, yep. he was from Michigan. Went mm-hmm. back my stuff basically, you know, he said a buck a card. I took him all my best stuff that was in cases and he meant a dollar a card, not a hundred dollars a card, unfortunately. <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I didn't have much, right? And then like then I got into it. I bought some Jordan mm-hmm. Nines and mm-hmm. got kind of like at the you know, still at the right time, but maybe it was like mm-hmm. twenty eighteen or something. Twenty eighteen is fine. They got it, got into it. But then COVID, you know, was stuff went crazy. The, mm-hmm. It seemed like just stuff really escalated. And just like anything, crypto, there's waves, right? It goes up, yep. it's down, it's all over mm-hmm. the stock market. So where is today? Give me, give me like what you believe the current state of the market is and what's your prediction over the next, you know, five sure. years. So here, here's my viewpoint. I think that the market was, you know, I knew from looking at my auction results on January 30th, 
2021 that the world was crazy when I sold two PSA 10 Michael Jordan cards for $720,000 each. And the record high was set two weeks earlier, about 175,000. What, what are those today to put in perspective? Like today? So, so I'm going to put that in perspective. So that card peaked at 720 and it went consistently and slowly down for almost three years to a low of about 125,000. Okay. And then I've noticed, um, a, a strong interest in the card to the point where right now, depending on the quality of the PSA 10, I'd say the low is 175 and the high is probably two and a quarter. It might hit 250. And what, so, what about a nine? What about a Jordan nine today? What is that? Oh God, Jordan nine. I honestly have to look it up. Maybe 16. I'm going right. to guess okay. off the top yeah, of my head. Totally off the top of my head. Just asking. Um, you know, Koontz is yeah. I was willing to deal on some. Curious how what kind of price he gives one of his boys. Yeah, it, that's, okay. that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. The, the best the best thing for that is honestly, if, if you if you look at the card ladder app, um, you know they'll they'll give you and you can see the pictures of the cards. That's that's what I you know if I need to look something up, that's what I use. I'll, I'll I use vintage card, card prices. Is, is, huh? that, is that good too? V- VCP VCP is good, but yep. VC, VCP is nothing with modern and card ladder now because they're owned by PSA has all the data. So like they've like every single PSA graded card sale that ever took place, you know, most of the SGCs, things like that. But, you know, they're still building to their data. They're still building to their data. It does seem like there's a technology opportunity, of course, just like AI mm-hmm. and anything right now. It feels like yep. cards, if you can streamline the quicker pricing, say I had Beckett's as a kid as mm-hmm. well. That was the way. And now things are getting obviously more um, mm-hmm. streamlined. It does seem like there's a huge opportunity database-wise to make things like quicker and better. Is that, is that Do you see some big technological uh, opportunities or things that are happening that you're aware of right now within the space? In the I, I, I see that there's a big push. I mean, there's definitely a big push. I mean, there's an interest introduction like an in, in, introduction for companies like community communities like mantle with alexis ohanian and my executive producer brett montgomery just came out and they're going to try and bring collectors together and give better information and you know build a community but here's where i have my viewpoint in the card market anything you bought in 2021 you're, you're dead okay it's just it's just, it just was way too high it was frothy um Almost the same in 2022 with pockets of, you know, with pockets of things that, that can go back to the 2022 level. Uh, 2023 is really hit, hit or miss because 2023 was really, to me, finding a bottom. And right now, my personal viewpoint is I never want to be one to call bottom, but I will say that key iconic cards, um, I, you know, I, I know have bottomed, okay? Like, like 86 Jordan, um, I think like, um, you go to vintage, like a 51 and 52, uh, Bowman and tops mantle things, cards like that, I think have, have bottom. I think that football, hockey, baseball, and soccer, if they did not bottom yet, and I'm talking modern now, if they did not bottom yet, they are incredibly close with a lot of players that are back on the way up. Uh, basketball, I think there are some players and some sets that still have not bottomed. Um, and others, like, for example, I think the two guys I like that are modern guys, um, if I, if you say, you, if somebody, if you had to buy a modern card, who would you buy? Um, I would say right now, my two guys would be Tom Brady and LeBron James. Um, Brady has gone, done nothing but gone down since he retired. Um, and you know, I think a lot of his key cards are prices where they're, they haven't been since 2019. They're very attractive. 
And I think LeBron is very underappreciated because a lot of people just hate him. Look, the hobby in general, I've never taken a poll and I don't discuss politics. and I don't discuss my political affiliation on anything because you never want to offend anybody. I think the hobby in general, if you took a poll, you know, hobby literally might be 80% Republican. Okay. So with that in mind, a lot of people don't like LeBron because he's outspoken about his liberal views. Um, right. And that has that's, hurt his card price that's dramatically. It's a very um, interesting stat on 80. That's a, that's a high number. And that, that makes, that's a great point. That is, yes. that's very interesting. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. The polarizing, right? He's polarizing. Yes, exactly. So I think yeah. that I also think that I think that, as far as opportunities, um, I'm really encouraged to see things like Star Wars going up, um, entertainment cards going up in general, wrestling and UFC. If you look at like the, if you look at like the card ladder thing, they hit there. They, they're going up past six months. Um, properties like that are going up. Um, basketball, out of everything, is the scariest. Baseball, to me, is the safest because it went down. It went up the least. In terms of the modern, and I'm, this is all modern. So, um, my preference personally is to buy. Uh, my per- pre- preference personally is I'm more of a vintage collector. So, to try and find nice vintage, uh, vintage cards, and I've been using the softness to pick up sets. Um, I now own two T two 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 T two hundred six sets, both missing a Wagner. Um, I own a fifty one Bowman complete set, fifty two Bowman complete set, so on and so forth. Um, and if I'm looking at the modern guys, the guys I like are the people who will live forever. It's look, it it gets mundane, but it's Brady, it's Jordan, it's Kobe, and it is going to be LeBron five years from now. LeBron's, you know, is people only going to be looking at his stats. It's all they're going to be looking at is what are his career numbers. I think that that is going to overcome some of the, some of the negativity that people have, you know, Fairly or unfairly, that he cries, he's a flopper. At the same time, though, because he's so polarizing, I just think that to your points, like I would think it. He's also done so much like community. He's he yep. does a lot of great things that people like love. So like to the eighty twenty, I think the people that really do love him exactly his best cards, his pristine stuff. Like people are gonna want, and it's gonna it'll be exactly. Maybe it is that it just can shoot up, and there's a lot of upside on 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 with him he's a great businessman as well and, and, and this so. is look this is my advice this is the negative about the card market nobody talks about this i know you're on you will understand this if you buy and sell stocks when the stock market is down it's a bear market you know what n- never happens in a bear, bear market well, to to buy more you're saying it's a good time no, to buy what, what never happens in the bear market you don't see ipos right right yeah true you don't you don't see new product entering the market so the stock market regulates itself because the companies that want to go public do not go public in a bad market typically and you know the smart the morgan stanley's the goldman sachs will not bring one of these companies public knowing it's going to be a bad market the problem is panini and tops irrespective if it's a good market or bad market have this licensing guarantee and have this overhead so that even though it may be a bad market, they have to keep pumping out the product into a bear, into a bear market. Okay. okay. And that's, that's why, and, and that's why that's the problem with modern is people are always going to need to sell something. If you're a modern collector, unless you're, 
unless you're Nat Turner, who is the one, one of the board directors and CEO of my parent company, Collectors, and sold Flatiron for $2 billion, unless you're a collector like him, you're going to sell something to buy this new does, you know, Wemby card. Does he have the bigot? Is he the one with the, the wagon? Who's got the the Arizona Cardinal or Arizona? Uh, Ken, 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 Ken Kendrick has the best wagon. And what is that worth nowadays? To me, some people don't like it. To me, it's a $50 million card. It's still 50 a PSA. Mil. 50, 50 million. And wait, wow. Wait. I, I remember hearing it was like 15 or 18 or something. And I offered, to give an example, I offered somebody $28 million for their 52 tops PSA 10, and they turned me down. So that card's got to be, you know, that card got, that card has to be 30. And I can still sell it at that tomorrow. But wow. So it wow, has this cycle. It has this cycle. Here's the tip for everybody. And this is if, Michael Rubin, uh, David, Mike, Mayhan, not there, not in Rubin. And if they take my advice. Fanatics, you're saying. Fanatics, yes. Yeah. The day that Panini stops making football and basketball cards, whether it's because they're acquired by Fanatics or the license expires, whenever that day is, Fanatics should make sure they intentionally short print product for six months to a year because you want to know from Ken Golden. This is from me. Yep. This, this, is, uh, this is what I experienced from the day I started Golden until January 2021. From the day I started Golden until January 2021, every time a new product came out, a month after it came out, it was higher than it was. Six months after it came out, it was higher than it was higher than the, than the issue price. And every single day, people went into Target and Walmart and it was sold out. So when they can get back to that, to under and they can't do it with Panini because Panini knows that they're on a ticking time clock and their licenses are going to expire. So naturally, they're going to want to make as much product as possible. But Ruben, Mahan, David, David Liner, all you guys, this is the key. Jeff Gordon, not to leave you out. When you have everything, intentionally underproduce, intentionally cut allocations, intentionally cut re, uh, whatever. Tell the public market that you're going to make less on sports cards this year. Do it. Because the day to me, my signal to jump in with both feet back in the market is when you start seeing cards in Target and Walmart hit the shelves and they're all sold out by the weekend. When somebody can buy something from Blowout or David Adams and a month later, they can look at Blowout and David Adams and that same box is selling for more than it sold a month ago. That yeah. is when you know we're fully back and it's fully safe. That that's yeah, makes a ton of sense. And and you mentioned some some powerful names there in the industry. Yep. And Michael Rubin seems like a genius with what what's going on in fanatics. Give me your Mount Rushmore and, and I can probably have a lot of guys, but give me some names that, that are just really doing special stuff for the industry right now. Oh man. For the industry right now. Um boy. innovators. Who's who's like really put you know doing their best and loves it and is is pushing in the needle. Oh, first of all, I love Rob Veris and Burbank cards. I mean, he's always he always is is doing, you know, he is always doing great stuff. Um, you know, they're just, just doing with the shop. You know, I'm gonna say some names people love. I'm gonna say some names people hate. Um, whoever is the CMO of Tops is is doing a great job with what they have. Um I love the Kevin Hart little gimmick gimmick on the on the 2024 Tops cards. People hate, some people hated the Brady. I thought the Brady was the best marketing campaign. Brady plays baseball was the best and most brilliant baseball marketing campaign. You know, 
that, that I'd seen because you've got major media, you got major cards. Look, so what if some people don't want to buy those cards because Brady never played baseball? They don't think it's going to be valuable. They got everybody talking about a product where most people open up and do not know the names. Okay. Yeah. Most, most people open up the draft product and they do not know the names. So I really like, I really like what they're doing. Um, I, I think I'm going to throw, um, I'm going to throw Blez on here. All, all, all the Blez breakers, Jared and his brothers. Um, I think that they do a great job on, on, mar on marketing. I think they do a great job on social media. Um, they were the first company to go into PSA and say, we're going to break live from PSA's headquarters for the next three days. And whenever we get a hit, PSA is going to grade it and give it back to us. Um, I think, um, honestly, what Nat Turner and uh, Ryan Holger doing at PSA with you know, the new, the new technology, upgrading the registry, upgrading the reveal, creating a reveal on an app where you can actually open it up instead of waiting to get, you can like, like have a reveal image and share yep. it with friends. All that stuff is, all that stuff is really, really, really cool. Um, I, I do look whether it's going to be profitable or not, whether it is going to be the biggest money-making machine or not. I like what Jeff Wilson did with uh, Cards HQ, trying to make it very family friend friendly, trying yeah. to make it a large, safe environment where kids can hang out, where they can break. Look, I don't know if I don't know if it's going to make money, how it's going to make money, the whole bit. But I love the concept. I also, from somebody who used to sell person to person at a card show and person to many people on QVC and HSN. I love all these live concepts. I love, you know, eBay live, getting into eBay live and competing with whatnot and yep. fanatics live. You know, I love the concept of being able to have direct interaction and answer questions and, and talk to people and things like that. So, so I think all of those are really great innovations. I love the MLB debut patch as an individual concept. That is my favorite new concept in 10 years. Um, creating a one-of-one -one card and Major League Baseball going along with it and putting the patch that they're going to wear their first ever game. So, so those are the things I love. Um, they are people are fighting against general market conditions. There still is a overhang of some people who got too much into debt. There still is an overhang of people who want to sell inventory. Um, but I can tell you right, what right now, and, and as we're doing this in February 2024, I feel a hell of a lot more confident about the next two years than I do in did in February 2022. And and I, I got to ask this because this is something that concerns me and it's a bit of a, you know, mm -hmm. I don't want to say dark, but one of the not as fun topics, but a big concern. And this happens with poker as well. Just mm -hmm. like the last similarities, poker right now, there's RTA, there's bots, there's things with the card industry. You know, I my stuff's all graded PSA. Jason mm -hmm. now has ISA. There's, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's a few other, there's major uh, graders. Mm -hmm. What is your thought on the security right now within cards? Because like now with AI, I mean, you could talk about this for anything, not just cards, mm -hmm. right? Like deep fakes and fake videos mm -hmm. go viral and you put out someone, it's not someone and like you can cause big problems. What about like the authentic, the, the grading cases and how is there a, a something in place to make it more secure? Because I'm worried a lot about fakes and, and just not only that people can make good fakes, but like actually compromising, not just make good ones, but where you wouldn't even know if you could put in a fake card and get graded a nine Jordan and, and whatever, you know, like, how do you know, like you go to a show, how, how can you really know? I mean, that's that, that, look, that is a problem. Um, I think that, you know, 
if you look at, let's say, a PSA holder from 10 years ago, it's if someone has that holder, it's a lot more likely that that could have, could have been at one point in time compromised and duped than the new stuff. I mean, the new stuff's terrific. I mean, you, you, you're not, you're not going to screw with it. Um, they have security team, direct link to the FBI, anybody even trying to go to it. The, you know, you got the cert verification, you've got everything else. You've got tons of, tons of things that they're doing now. They have the artificial intelligence company that they purchased that, you know, you know, Oh, God, I should know this gem, whatever the hell it is. Sorry, sorry, Kevin, I forgot the name of your old company. Um, well, let, let me interrupt you. So are you like, this is sort of my point. Is there like a before and after? So now you're saying like, if you send a card and get graded PSA today, they give you a case or there's a way, maybe like a, a code, a tracker, it's like more official, but is it almost like, you know, handing in your old hundred dollar bills? Like, is there, is there like a movement or somewhere where you could go and bring it, get verified and redo it? Because I feel like you could get left behind or get in some trouble. And if you have a big collection and it's older and then all of a sudden it could be, it could be deemed not as worth or high risk or not worried. That, that's we, my fear. That, and that's, that's a great point because we, when we get big ticket cards, really, really big ticket cards, you know, in an old holder, you know, the first thing we do is we're going to send in the PSA. We tell the client, okay, we are going to have your card reholdered because people, because PSA will look at it. And first of all, if they open up an old holder and they find something wrong with the card, okay, if they find something wrong with the card, let's say something slipped 10 years ago, doesn't slip then, there's something wrong with the card where that card would not get, you know, would, would, would not get that, that great or not be authentic today. And they know that that is like the original purchaser and wasn't tampered with, you know, they've got that PSA guarantee and it's basically like insurance. So for us at Golden, when we get any of these big cards that are in old holders, we want to get them in a new holder because we want everybody to buy and know, hey, you're not going to have a problem with this down the road. Um, I think, you know, to me, in terms of ranking, I think I would put in terms of security, in terms of, no matter, yeah, I remember PSA grades 10 times more cards than anybody else. So if you see these PSA problems, um, like people talk, oh, this happened this time, you got to realize you're going to see more little pockets, right? Than, uh, more, little po- more little pockets than um, other companies because there's just so much of a, so much more of a supply out there. Um, yeah. I would put SGC second and Beckett's just had a ton of problems with their holders. Um, they used they used a, 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 a something previously that you know one of their plastics wasn't good for the cards. Some of the older holders they they get loose and they decay. It's just a lot of people buying Beckett cards. Right. They have to know this. And, and oh, by the way, you, you are going to have to edit this. Not what I just said, but probably edit for time because we'll go long because I am going to talk about this stuff. We are going to show stuff and you can figure out what puts your be- best podcast together. Okay. Yeah, no worries. Uh, that, that, hey, listen, I, I love it. Honestly, for me, it's fascinating. You know, uh-huh. I like to say I'm immersed in it. I love it. I actually, that's sort of like the, what you're saying makes sense too, but forget about Forget about the the, the ten thousand, fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollar cards. I'm talking like you know five hundred dollar, two hundred dollar cards. Like it's like making a fake twenty or a ten, right? There's counterfeit. People get caught. They do stuff. You make the hundreds now. You can't really do it. But what about ten dollar bills? Like you could do pretty well. You know, making making fifty and eighty dollar fake cards and, all day long. Like that. This is where I'm. This is where my my concern is a little. bit. And there've been rings in Mexico. There've been people in Mexico who made fake BGS holders. There've been rings in Mexico that been make made fake PSA holders. Uh, the big warning side is if you go to put in a certificate on psacards.com and you type in that cert number and it says card on hold, what that means is, is that typically they are aware that somebody duplicated that serial number and there may be one or more counterfeit holders that exist out there. 
Okay. So like that, they, if you're at a show, listen, if you are a serious card collector and you buy PSA cards and you do not walk around a show or anywhere you are with the PSA app so you can check a certification or check something else, then you're doing yourself a disservice. They're giving you the technology. Right. You know, absolutely uh, use it. What's that website it. again? Um, but just, isn't it PSACard.com? Is, okay. Uh, no, no. I'm saying, but there's a way you can actually type in the number and check yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've never done that. Okay. Go, go, to, go to App Store. And while you're there, get the Golden App. Get the Golden App, but get the PSA app. And this way you can... Uh, you can um, you know, I didn't know you had an app. You do have a golden app. I should know that. You, you yes, have one? We, I'm do, have a, we do have a golden app. Yes, Look, I'm do. not here to provide. I, I want to, I know you're one of the pillars of the industry. That's why it's very interesting to me. I know it's not like a fun topic because mm-hmm. it is can make people mm-hmm. scared or whatever, but it mm-hmm. definitely is something I think is going to be, you know, it's be- good to have good information and understand what's happening because it is a little bit, you know, any, this is anything though, right? Poker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. this that like people there's oh, look, there's money there's, remember, there's, there's fraud and shit you know, i was an act, i don't want to throw anyone under the bus but i was an active player at the time that some extremely well-known high value poker players had their multi-accounting scandal i mean mm-hmm. you name it though that's the thing there's this yeah. there's cheat there's art yeah. there's like a ton of ways people anytime there's money people are gonna find you know if you want to yeah. be dubious you can you can uh you can find yeah. ways to be unethical and you yeah. know there's bad actors so yeah. uh okay i don't want to spend too much time on that it's good to know that's yeah. important and it's a, a yeah. for sure as again like i think there's a that would be a, a really good service if somehow you could bring you know you go to a card show or certain places and they mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to sort of recase or get a newer up-to-date thing to, to and, and like let me give an example so so I'm going to mention three things that should give you confidence in the industry. So number one, you know, PSA, you know, has, you know, has, they literally like, if you send a numbered card and you send that same numbered card back to be regraded, they know that they've already looked at that card and mm-hmm. they, they, they've got like a before and after so they can compare. So the PSA has the past three years has done unbelievable steps and they have the entire dedicated, uh, they dedicated force to this yeah. eBay, you know, now has, the authenticity guarantee for graded cards. And like, they'll literally send you buy, buy a card over a certain value on eBay. They'll literally send that card in the case to PSA to make sure that this was not a tampered PSA case. And this is not counterfeit. So that's great for them. And again, even, you know, again, nobody can say, I don't give credit to competitors, but like fanatics, you know, fanatics hired the guy from the FBI that was in charge of all of the art and sports collectible fraud. Brian Brusakis is now head of security for for Fanatics. So you say competitor the, in what sense? In terms well, of well, no, because they, I, I look oh because they they made they made the mistake of buying PWCC. That that's why. Okay. <laughs> Which I wish they didn't did. They probably wish they didn't do, but they did. So, but okay. no, but they um. So if you look at the the three biggest companies, PSA and three biggest and the three most important companies, PSA eBay and fanatics are all understand the importance of keeping this integrity you have safe to. and keeping, you know, keeping that product, um, you know, from being you know, counterfeit and keeping their customers from being ripped off. And, and what is the wait time right now? I know during COVID it got crazy. What, if you send in PSA, there's the express or whatever, what's like okay, a, a lot of time? people are using regular and getting their cards back in under 30 days for regular. Oh, service. Great. Yeah. Because okay. now they never, now they've got the whole New Jersey facility. So you, you got all modern stuff can be done out of New Jersey. So they can just, they can crank it out. It's not, people are not complaining about wait times anymore. And and what is the, what is the minimum amount you expect your card to send in? Cause it's not cheap to grade anymore. If you want to send a card to get graded, what, what is like the cost of that? And how much do you, uh, what, what, what would make sense to even have a go? If you have like a nine, you know, I don't, I don't know the metrics on it. Cause like, Look, if you, I, honestly, yeah. if you have a $50 raw card, that you can send in through slow boat modern service it's it's worth it to get it done okay 
Okay. And yeah, so there's yeah different. Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. And do you think most people in the, the trading card industry and memorabilia, are they in it to make money or is it more about, you know, is it, is it for fun or to make money? What's the, what's the percentages on that? My personal opinion is if it's almost more based on age, I would say the 40 and over crowd, a much higher percentage are in it because they've done it for a long time. They collect and they love it. And I would say the teenage crowd, the young 20s, I don't think anybody would consider themselves a pure collector. I think that they would consider themselves collectors and dealers. They buy for their personal collection and they flip to make money to fund their personal collection. So I think every one of them, you know, there are, I honestly, I know very few people who are in this industry that do not, that buy and sell and do not have a collection. They all want to collect something. They're all doing it to support some sort of collection habit. And and what you you mentioned your son and what age do you believe is like the the right age or or it, it varies of course for various mm-hmm. factors but mm-hmm. you know with your son you want to crack uh, open some packs of cards or mm-hmm. break box what age do they actually can like kind of appreciate or it's like a learning and fun thing where what would you be your recommendation uh, well, default I mean how my my daughter's six and she wants to open up her uh, her Pokemon and Frozen and. Uh, yep. And 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 the Disney cards and things like that. Um, you know, they're not going to necessarily. You got to get cheap boxes for a six-year-old. But look, yeah. right now these kids are smart. My son is, you know, on Fortnite with a headset, talking to twenty other people at a time. You know, planning attacks. Um, in in the video game room, yeah. and he is like, he's on. You know, he's on apps, and he's on this, and he's on how that. old is he? You know, I, I he's ten. He's ten. Okay. Yeah, these so, the CEOs. I, I, they'll, they'll be CEOs at fourteen pretty soon. Yeah, and yeah. So and so I, you know, I think. I think that, you know, kids who honestly probably when they enter fourth grade, they're able to walk a card show, look at it, look up prices. They all look up prices. I I love these kids. I mean, these kids, it's just like friggin', it it did not exist. When I was doing this, I was the only teenager doing this. Okay. It was all old men and me. So it is like crazy. When I go to the national, I see like 2000 or 5,000 kids on the floor of the national. I go to my hotel and there's like, a tunnel of a thousand kids sitting there with, 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 with their, with their phones open, you know, buying, yeah. selling and trading. And, and it does feel, I mean, the content now with your, the show, your show on Netflix, of course, but there's so many other like Jared or, you know, whatnot, these apps and the, the, the breaking and the pull wax, there's mm-hmm. all these different things. It's gotta, that's gotta be massive. That has to be a huge, like what, how, how big is the growth? Would you say in the last, you know, five years and, and 10 years, like how, is it really just going like this or do you see it maybe slowing down? I, I look, I know fanatics says they want a 10 X to come 10 X to hobby. I, I think we've seen, we've seen a 10 X from the hobby. If you look what at is the market cap roughly, is so many different things. I've heard five billion. I've heard thirty billion. So um, it depends what you're encompassing, right. whether whether it's resale and things like that. I mean, every everybody has their own. You're bullish, um, though. You're bullish. Yeah. You're bullish. I I am bullish about the future of the overall industry, and I emphasize the overall industry. Doesn't necessarily mean that if he wins two MVPs, that your Luca card from 2021 is going to go up. Um, there's just too much, right? There's too yeah, much. Yeah, so, so it, it, it depends what card it is, and it just may right. have gotten too high. But I'm bullish about the overall industry, and I am bullish about new product coming out. I'm bullish about vintage cards. I'm bullish about goat collecting. You know, the, the stuff that the stuff that's always scared me is people overpaying for unproven talent who could get 
injured or commit a crime or not pan out. And then, you know, they literally lose 90%. No one's going to lose 90% on it. You go out today, you buy something, Kobe Bryant, you're not, you're not going to lose 90%. Right. Yeah. And it, it, that makes, makes a ton of sense. What about soccer in the U S it's becoming so popular. And I mm-hmm. see, you know, I'd say that that's my, I played through college. It's what I love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously the big names and, and the Maradona and the, the Pele Messi, Messi and Ronaldo's, but, also, do you, do you feel the world is this something with your like? Because it's a is it is it a, how dominant is the U.S. the sports card market versus the expansion with Europe and China? I remember coming at the national or at, yeah, I think it was national. Some of these two uh, kids from China came to Jason Koontz. They bought every Jordan he had. They you know the one dollar ones and Bach. They bought like the whole thing out. And like I saw very, it seems getting more international. Is that is that where the upside is that it can really it, hasn't grown? It is. it is soccer is obviously the most international sport in F one second. And the point is you have to educate those people and you have to wait for them to want to shift into cards. Right now, the best-selling international market is basketball because of Asia, okay? Whether it's, whether it's China, whether it's Japan, whether it's the Philippines, yep. you know, you know all, you know, all that. It, they're so basketball-heavy and, like, they, they, don't buy, they don't buy football. They'll buy some baseball. Um, they really don't buy soccer that much. So what has to happen is... Um, you know, Australia is probably more like the U.S. than any other country because they will buy football, they will buy basketball, they will buy soccer, they will buy baseball. They love everything. Um, I know that because I'm, they, they keep hitting me up, you know, season three or they they don't know if I film season two, but so I just say season three, I'll go to Australia. Season three, I'll go to Australia. Um, I've got a lot of places I've promised people to go in season three. We'll see. Um, how many episodes is season two? Six was season one? It, or all, I'm say? Say, all I'm allowed to say is it's more than season one. Okay. We'll I'm allowed you. to say it's more than season one. Um, I'm allowed to say, I can tell you that season two from the production quality, I've seen all, I've seen all the episodes, I almost said how many I've seen all the episodes. Um, the production quality is just night and day, kind of like American Idol. When they did the first season, you saw Paula Abdul and she looked maybe like she just got out of bed and she went there and was going through it. And then season two, all of a sudden she's made up with sponsors and yeah. jewelry they realize yeah. wow this is a big hit well netflix realized wow this is a big hit um that's and, awesome that's great that, that yeah that's quality. exciting it's a lot more sports it's a lot less of the bs there's no beanie babies in season two it's real you know hardcore collectibles that the people are going to love that's that's awesome and and who who is that what athletes would you say because peyton manning and eli what they've done with this the, the commentary and how they, yep. they they're just showing their personality and just have an absolute hit the kelsey brothers number yep. one podcast of course who, who who do you who is really like loves like actually loves the hobby like out of some of these well-known athletes that like are really you know they have their own collections and they're really into it who would you say okay. some of the guys okay um when you say the hobby i'm gonna expand into sports memorabilia as well as cards um, and I'm going to go with as big a name as I possibly can. Yeah. Let's um, get a thumbnail here. Yeah. Tom Brady. Okay. Okay. Uh, Tom Brady for sure. Um, Kevin Durant for sure. He uh, seems like a really savvy business man from what I've heard. Yeah. And he seems really in tune to what's going on. Yeah. Yep. Um, I would say, um, Barry Bonds. Okay. Um, let me look at big net. Um, let me see. Do, 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 do. I know um, retired re- retired player. And I know this only because he's one of my son's coaches. Uh, Todd Frazier okay. uh, used to play. Um, you know, all star. 
Little League World Series MVP. Um, boy, there's so many. Um, but you would say it's it is it is noticeable that athletes and maybe even some more so retired. Bobby, oh, they, they, Bobby they Wood Junior. Bobby Wood Junior. and J Rod Julio Rodriguez. Two 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 big ones. Acuna Junior. Um, uh, you know, so yeah, a lot of a lot more current guys than retired guys. Um, but but a lot of um, a lot of current guys. You know, and in a lot of current baseball and basketball players. Very very. Yeah, Gian- cool. Giannis. Oh my God, Giannis! I was selling his dual logo man with somebody about three months ago, and all of a sudden, I get a DM, and I've never—he's—he's somebody I've never met in person, I've never spoke to. I got a DM from Giannis, and said, "Ken, I would like this card." (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. That's great. So here's the link. Set up an account, buddy. That's amazing. Yeah, they, I'm sure exactly that uh, that stuff starts going on. I'm sure that's that's when it's that's when you know it's doing well, right? When they yeah. when people are they start bidding up and they want their own stuff. Yeah, and there's some some cool stuff going. And what about yeah. one of my last questions here? Because I know again, we'll hopefully have you on multiple times, and I know you got a, mm-hmm. a crazy day. So really do again appreciate the time. Like the the outside like kind of actors or crossover. Mm-hmm. There are some cards. There's even, there's even some poker cards like Phil Helmuth I've seen and others. Mm-hmm. You know, Kevin Hart. You mentioned his name. He's been yeah. on the podcast mm-hmm. here, and he's also I just was with him. A week ago, Bill Perkins' birthday. Funny, funny guy, and seems to love. I know he does have some collectible stuff. Yeah, is, is there a like? How does that work when it's a, a well-known or famous someone, but the sports card? Like, is there any of these that really have like become valuable? Like the cards of of athletes or actors? I'm sorry. Sure. So by, by the way, by the way, I left the biggest name off the list, and of course, he was in season one. That's Drake. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I know I've, just that. like yeah. Jason has, I've, I've sold him a bunch of a bunch of stuff he displays at his house. Um, so yeah. he's 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 definitely one of one of the biggest. Um, look, I think that there is definitely a market for pop culture cards. Um, yeah. you know, rock and roll, movie stars, social media. I, I have to say that when I sell like a Kim Kardashian signed card for five grand, um, and you see some of the same see some of these other cards, you know, go out there. But I think. Um, you know, I think, and that's look. Leaf is very big on that. That's what they do with their, you know, with, with one with their with their pop set. You know, so it's 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 um, and, you know, and Tops does it in a couple of their a couple of their sets as well. So I definitely think that there is a market as long as they don't um don't oversat oversaturate it. You know, like somebody somebody I don't think who's ever had a card and signed cards, for example, I think would be a hit is, is Logan Paul. You know, I think people would buy his cards. Right. And, and and my last question is about sticker signings, because this is uh, Michael Phelps, right? Live with him, roommate, one of my best <laughs> friends in the world. And yep. I know that he's now doing, I've done signings where I've been with him and he's signed all the stuff and it's it's a bit tedious and mm-hmm. you've got to have the ball, baseballs or the, the mm-hmm. tickets, all that. Now yep. there's the stickers, which is, I've seen them on actual products mm-hmm. and I know he just did some signings for that. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because when I see a sticker of a signature mm-hmm. placed on a card versus the mm-hmm. actual signing, give me some pros and cons on that. What's okay, going on? So, with that? so I'm going to give you my three things that I hate most about the current card industry. Um, that that I you know, and some of them you have you can't do away with them. Um, number one is a game used hit card being pulled, a, a a a relic hit card being pulled, and on the back it says the the piece of jersey or something on this card was not actually used by the player or in any specific game or events i hate that that's right. number one um redemptions are number two and let me put that expired redemptions are number one by far because you're going to put a box from five years ago get a big hit and they don't have it if they can make unexpired redemptions it'll go lower on my list and the third is sticker autographs they just i it is a necessity it is not going to go away 
It's not going to go away. I had never my, seen those until just now. I never did. I didn't realize that was a thing, but it's so much newer. My, yeah. So it's not going to go. It allows an athlete to take a page or an entertainer yep. with like 60 stickers. They just sign, boom, 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 boom. And then they can, the companies can work it on. So it's never going to go away. The way they should handle that is that sticker, sticker cards should be re- reserved for lower end base product, uh, retail product and kept completely out of if you got something that people are paying 500 or a thousand dollars a box at, at issue price I, don't, I i just don't think there should be stickers in there makes 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 a ton of sense well listen i literally have i mean i probably i we could talk for 10 Let's hours do it straight. again I, we'll talk I, more personal yeah you know I, what we can I, do here's what we do after after season two hits okay hit me up and um i'll get you some clips and uh we can do this again I, I love it. Well, listen, I, I really am. I'm, I'm a fan. I love what you've done. I love that you've built this business to what it is. And congrats on the success of the show. And that's exciting to hear. There's hopefully 30 plus seasons, but we know at least two. And you said maybe you know, three, I think you confirmed, but not not anything more than that. We know there's stuff coming. And uh, yep. again, you guys can watch it on Netflix. And yep. it, it, Ken Golden, we appreciate the time. Oh, and, and one thing, much. because of the, I had to wear a gift from my daughters, my older daughters, if you if you watch the show, you saw Laura. So Laura and her sister Lindsay. Uh, I saw I. They said I am a trophy dad. So there you go. I love <laughs> That's it. I love it. I love it. I love your. I love the collection. I love what you got going on, and I, I know you're doing some really special stuff behind the scenes. And again, some mutual friends that are in the space and speak very highly. So again, uh, thank you. It was uh, it was great for the time, and I will be seeing you again. We'll definitely have you on in the future. That would be yep. that would be awesome. I'll see you at the national, if not before. Cool. Sounds great, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks, Ken.